really happy to see you this morning. My name is Amanda. Like Paul said, I'm the Care and Connect Director here at South Shore. Those of you who are online, thank you so much for joining us. Let us know you're there. Um, we love to see people commenting so we know who's joining us. Um, this was just a side note as I was reflecting this morning, getting ready to come up here. God always, always teaches me something when I'm writing a talk. There's nothing like writing something that's on your heart and then finding out why God put it there. So it's just as much for me as it is for anyone else in this room. So at the least, I can be thankful for that. Um, I've been stretched, I've been challenged, and I've been pushed to ask myself if I really believe what God says about me and what that means when it's true. Spoiler alert, God is so good, and he always has our backs. Um, we've been talking about living out of this revolution, the idea that following Jesus is a movement, that it's completely rooted in love because that's the heart of Jesus. In order to be aligned with this Jesus revolution or movement, we need to be rooted in who Jesus is, which we spent the first half of the year exploring those different aspects, and who he says we are. We need to know deep down that Jesus had our names written on his heart when he conquered death, so we no longer have to fight for victory from our own battles and brokenness by ourselves. Firmly planted in this truth, there will always be victory. In Roman 8, we hear from Paul. He's writing to encourage the believers in the Roman church. And I'm going to start by reading from verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's a pretty intense statement there at the end, and I'm going to pause for one second. The context of this is in the face of persecution for preaching the gospel. But does anyone feel the intensity of this battle that's raging in our society? Maybe you're feeling the battle. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're feeling the battle in your own life with personal challenges. And if you aren't now, I'm sure we can all draw on experiences where the struggle has been real and the phrase has been, when it rains, it pours. But the passage goes on to say in verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, he covered it all, nor anything else in all creation will ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> is anyone else excited by this? Is this not such an extraordinary love and identity that he offers us? What an honor to be called the one, what an honor to be called one who is loved this wildly, this deeply, that we are more than conquerors. And the kicker, there's nothing we did to earn it. God already loved us and called us this before we were born before we made all the mistakes that we made, before we even chose him, he decided that he would love us without limits and be given victory over all of life's challenges all the same. 
This is the truth of what God offers us. Once we receive it, he gives us all the tools we need to stay rooted in it. So being rooted in this means what? So a few weeks ago, I was lying in our tree swing. We have one of those big circle things that hangs from a branch, um, looking up at the leaves, which my daughter had to run inside to grab something in the middle of our game of catch, and I really have to snag every little moment that I can get to just lay there and look at the leaves, and it was glorious. <laughs> so I love this giant maple tree. It's so green and full, and then it gets so super colorful in the fall, and then all the leaves fall, and then we have to clean them up, but that's okay, it starts all over again. We get great shade in our backyard from it. It's huge. So at first, I was, I was actually noticing the length of the limbs, where they stretched over the house, and whether or not one could come crashing down on our house in the middle of a storm. But my pondering turned to awe as I admired how incredibly long and thick and heavy this particular limb over our house was, and how sturdy and strong the trunk must be to support it, and the roots that hold this whole tree up. Maples are known for their extensive root system that spreads, while not super far under the ground, but far beyond the length of the tree branches themselves. They are known to be robust and far-reaching. And then I thought, this was all in the 30 seconds that I had by myself, so I appreciate that. And then I thought, what an awesome way to compare how strong our roots must be in our identity to maintain a healthy rhythm of life and to withstand the weight of the world. There are plenty of labels to inherit these days or ideals to dig our identities into around political parties and belief systems and choices around our health and values. And then there's all the slogans that we incur from just our experience in life. In a world where we are pushed to associate with one ideal or another, we must dig deeper and grow more in what he says about us than what our brokenness or the world tells us. And like I said before, there's nothing that we have to do to inherit the identity that Jesus offers us. The Bible is very clear about that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I didn't give this to you guys, sorry. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So it's already, it's already a gift. It's already been given. However, there are things we can do to grow and maintain our roots in this identity. So first of all, we have to be in the word, period. There is no way around living a life following Jesus if we are not spending time reading the Bible. It is not enough to know the concepts or sit in church on Sunday and listen to a talk. I'm glad you're here. But <laughs> the foundation of our identity, the things God says about us, the examples Jesus sets, the promises he gives us, it's all right there. It's in the stories it's in the letters, it's in the songs. There's this tool called the Steps to Freedom in Christ that has this awesome summary of the different things that God says about us and the scriptures that go along with it. I pulled out just a handful of statements about our identity that we can glean through scripture. One is, I am a child of God. I have been forgiven for all my sins. I am a member of Christ's body. 
I am assured that all things work together for good. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I am God's workmanship, created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence, and the list goes on. The full list with its references can be found on their website, and I will be posting a copy of it on our Facebook page later because it's just a great summary of all the different gold nuggets that we can glean about our identity that are all rooted in Scripture. If you are challenged by building a regular practice of being in the Word, you're not alone. The Bible is big, it can be confusing, the historical context sometimes challenging. There are so many devotionals and guides that you can browse online or Heritage House in Brockton. And if you need a Bible or some direction, please see a friend or reach out to a staff member. One thing I do recommend is the YouVersion app. It's a simple place to start. It has reading plans and daily verses. But I also recommend doing the reading in your actual Bible, like your paper Bible. Remember those? I know we're living in a technical, eye-driven world, but taking time away from the screen, especially in the Bible where it's just you and the Word of God, I believe is just good self-care, my opinion. Bottom line, when you get into the Bible, identity and victory are rerooted in Jesus through Scripture. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about prayer and worship. These are two irreplaceable practices in affirming your identity and standing in victory. I won't spend a lot of time on these because we heard two fantastic talks from Tommy and Paul. But as Paul said in his talk on worship, this is how we fight our battle. It's a worship song. We sing about it. It's the truth. Worship is the sound of the revolution. Fear and lies and darkness disappear when the family of God worships together. We can break through the storms with the power of worship. Try it. Try driving through rush hour traffic, singing your heart out to Jesus. See how it goes. <laughs> Try wrestling with your lies or through the situation that is causing you anxiety, singing your heart out to Jesus, declaring that we do not fight these battles alone declaring that we are deeply loved children of God, free of condemnation. When I'm having a tough day or my house is seemingly in chaos, I fill it with worship music. My identity and victory is rerooted in Jesus through worship. And last week, Tommy talked about prayer. Prayer is simply communicating with God, but it can move mountains. He longs to hear from you. We talk to him, we give him thanks, we ask him questions, we pour our hearts out when we're angry or sad or hurting. Then we hear his voice affirming and guiding and encouraging and comforting. We remember who we are and the promises that we have been given, that we are heard and seen by a God who is close to us, who sits with us. Identity and victory are rerooted in Jesus through prayer. All of these practices offer a lot of opportunities for growing in self-awareness. There are many tools that have been compiled to help us understand the things that we've experienced that have influenced how we interact with and see the world. God invites us to turn from the things that we believe about ourselves or ways that we live that are not in line with what he says. This takes honesty and humility. Through spending time listening and worshiping and reading, God can reveal and strip away who we once were and the patterns that stand between us and him. 
We can experience healing emotionally and physically. We can experience freedom from the things that have held us back from living out our true identity in Christ. It's when we let God in to the places that no one else has access to that seems scary, that we feel like we need to protect, that he can begin, that we can begin to see and experience change. I'm, I just finished this book that totally rocked my world called The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro, and this quote among many hit me. How can we expect to change the world for Christ if we ourselves are not being changed by him? How true is that? How else can we lead and love and serve like Jesus if we are not actually becoming more like Jesus and who he wants us to be? And I don't mean changing our behavior because that's not sustainable or what God is looking for. I mean letting Jesus change our hearts and sitting with him and resting with him and let him determine who we are. The behavior flows from that. This all happens through these practices when we encounter the living God. These are not just routine habits to throw into your everyday life. These are the way that we build a relationship with God who wants to love us, who wants to walk with us, who wants to be with us. There's no other way to take all the knowledge in our heads to our being in our hearts than encountering God. This is how he changes us and how we actually live into our identity. Pursue this. Pray for this. Pray with others about this. We need to encounter God. And these are some of the ways that we maintain our identity. So what does it look like when we are firmly rooted in our identity? So, okay, we're on this journey. And let's be real, it will be ongoing. There is no end until the end, and we get to the other side where God makes us perfect. But life is never boring, right? Anyone else bored? I'm not. <laughs> and as disciples of Jesus, there's always an opportunity to grow and be more like him and do more of the things he did and love people more like he did, to walk humbly in authority like he did. It only takes a glance at the accounts written about Jesus to see how he lived out his identity. He knew who he was, and he humbly but confidently followed God's leading. He did not live in fear or of self-serving. He spoke truth with compassion and love. He was not aggressive. He rested in the Father's presence, and that's how he knew who he was. When we live knowing who God says we are, we can move with the Spirit in ways that our brokenness would keep us from seeing and doing. We can walk through conflict or challenges knowing that at the end of the day, the issue of our value is settled on the cross. Many of you may recognize that saying from Dr. Rob Reamer, who started this church almost 30 years ago. And this is a core understanding that no matter what, the value rests in what Jesus did on the cross. That is what makes us who we are. There is no person, there is no situation, there is no sin pattern or wound or lie that can define us except what he has said. Only God can do that. And he calls you loved and your life is spoken for. 
And we can be free from people-pleasing, from striving, from the lies that cause us anxiety and self-hatred. It means I or anyone else on the teaching team can do a C-Talk Sunday and walk away knowing that nothing has changed about the way God sees us. This isn't, this isn't an excuse to go through life recklessly or without trying, but the point that I'm trying to drive home is this. <laughs> this. The things we accomplish are what determines who we are. Who we are is already determined by the cross. We can be free to follow God's leading, loving others from the overflow of this, of being ruthlessly loved by a compassion-filled and adoring Savior rather than trying to earn it and trying to be it. Earlier in my walk, I really struggled with wanting to be accepted in light. One of the labels that I struggled with was feeling unlikable, which is a particular challenge for a person who enjoys being around people as much as I do. But Satan, the great deceiver and manipulator, can take the best of things and turn them into lies. And I would make my lie feel like I had to try. I had to pretend to be someone. I needed to give people a reason to like me beyond just accepting me for who I was. I was a people pleaser. And if I wasn't, it left me feeling anxious and second-guessing and having bad boundaries and avoiding conflict. I overworked just to make sure I was liked and everyone was happy with me. Many of my behaviors were shaped by this. My identity did not rest on the cross. It rested on what I could do for others and how well I could please people, which I think we all know is impossible, right? <laughs> Absolutely impossible to please everyone. Uh, so I constantly struggled with knowing what was enough, that I was enough. However, there came a point in my journey that I began to encounter God in new ways, ways that drove these truths that I heard time and time again throughout my life about my identity from my head to my heart. I began to open my heart up to the things that God said about me and let them define me instead of the world. This was scary. I had to be really vulnerable. I had to be honest about why I felt these things. But I was able to learn the power of these truths and turn away from the lies that I let define me. I was able to be settled in who I was so that I could step out and take risks. I could say no. No. Right? Doesn't look so hard, but... For those of us who have trouble pleasing people, that's a really hard thing to do. I could look different and I could have my opinion just because God likes me. He doesn't love me any less when I mess up. He created me and my personality and my gifting for a purpose. It changed the way I prayed. I learned how to pray knowing that I was talking to a loving father who is always near and will always show up one way or another quite rarely in the ways that I expected, but far beyond how I could ever possibly imagine. I prayed with a new confidence that my Father in Heaven wanted to hear from me. He wanted to talk to me. He said and felt like I was important to him, and so were the prayers that were on my heart. He was not distant, and my prayers were not just in the wind. The more we believe what God says about us, the more intimate our prayers become. 
When we experience this kind of ruthless love, a love that provides the promise that we are conquerors, we are children of the living God who would never separate us from his love, a God who has already won the war with death and reserved a place for us in heaven. If you consider the foundation that this sets for living, it comes with the gift of peace and the gift of promise and the gift of purpose. So let's grow deep roots. Let's live and love out of an already determined identity. Let's live freely, knowing that we are more than conquerors in a Jesus revolution. So at the end of my message, it's my favorite part of the morning, not because I get to sit down as much as I love being with you all up here, <laughs> but this is where we invite God to show us new things. Maybe they're reminders because we're a little out of alignment or we've kind of been through, been through a lot <laughs> these days. Or maybe there's some things that you've been rooted in that he wants to point out and rename. So a couple of my friends are going to be coming around with a couple of index cards for you and a pen. We're going to take some time to sit and listen. And if this is something that feels foreign or uncomfortable to you, um, that's okay. We'll practice together. Sometimes God speaks through words in our head. Sometimes it's a feeling or sometimes it's a picture or a memory or a slogan. And whatever it is, pay attention to what you are feeling or hearing or seeing. So for this exercise, we're going to do a couple of things, and my friends in the back are going to put up a slide because there's a couple directions. <laughs> so first, we're going to sit and listen, and I want to ask God if there are any lies that guide how you interact with the world or any labels that play in the back of your head when you are interacting with the world around you. And I want you to write that down on card one. And then on card two, and then I'll give us some time to listen. On card two, I want you to listen for what God really says about you. And when he speaks, don't doubt what, he he what you hear. Because a lot of times we're so used to hearing these negative things about ourselves. And I know we all know, like the power of negative words, they are powerful. So when you hear what God really says about you, don't doubt it. Don't filter it. Write it down. That's how he sees you. And you'll know because it lines up with scripture and things that we've read in the Bible. And when you are finished, I want you to sit with that first word. And I want you to release it. You could tear it up or we have a basket here at the foot of the cross. And this is a symbol that he took up all of our broken pieces, all of our wounds through Jesus' death and resurrection. That was the point of the cross, my friends, was to take up our brokenness and our sin and the things that have hurt us, and, that, and for us to gain this new identity and victory in him. So we're going to take some time to listen. We're not going to rush into the last worship song. Um, so you write down your lie, write down what he really says about you, and come leave the first one at the cross. <laughs> 